my daughter knows just like like mom and dad she's a big nerd for words and phrases and writing and reading and she loves figurative language <laughs> and uh she asked me the other day what's an oxymoron and i try to explain it but i always have to look these things up because you know we know we know things when we hear them but we don't always know the textbook definition <laughs> and so i tried to tell her what an oxymoron is and then you know ended up looking it up and of course it's you know a contradiction in terms is what it literally is two words or phrases that are combined to something sensible <laughs> but they actually have completely opposite meanings and I don't remember all the examples, but you know, my favorite was old news. That's one I hadn't thought of that. And her favorite, of course, was jumbo shrimp because that's hilarious. <laughs> I practiced up for a while, jumbo shrimp and climb down. That one I hadn't really ever thought of, but you know, climbing down, I guess might be an oxymoron. <clears throat> and um, my, uh, my uncle passed away this week. And so it got me thinking about <clears throat> the term good death, you know, and how I think some people might kind of automatically react to that as a as an oxymoron what's a good death what's a good death if it was a beloved person and now they're gone how's that a good death is there a good death but you don't often hear the term bad death either <laughs> what's such a bad death but <laughs> that would be very um you know unpleasant to hear <laughs> or to say or you know, to observe out loud, it was a bad death. <clears throat> I called my, I called my aunt on the way, on the way to Portland this morning. Uh, I have the phone Bluetooth thing in the car. So I decided to just give her a call. I was driving down. She always calls me or texts me from her car. She always has, cause she'll be sitting there um, waiting for my, uncle to do something they did everything together they've both been retired since i don't know like 20 years ago and and so they just go everywhere together and then if he's got business she sits in the car and texts me and talks on the phone and calls my mom and does whatever and if she's got business and he sits in the car and does uh puzzles online or looks stuff up so I called her and, uh, and she was in her car sitting by the lake that they used to sit by every morning. Every day they would go down and sit by the lake in their car and look at the lake. <clears throat> and it happened to be that my mom was there too. They were in the car together actually. And they had just finished working out some of the celebration of life details. And they just decided to go. You know, sit by the lake 
as one does. And I hadn't, I hadn't talked to her because I'm a little bit of a chicken, you know. <laughs> big, big feelings, close family. And, you know, I texted her a few times and let her know we were thinking of her, but <clears throat> wasn't exactly sure how to have a conversation. And so I waited a few days. Uh, but it was just fine, you know. And she told me um, about some of some of the things they did in the last week before he he died. I guess she said they could kind of tell. She said she actually asked him, you know, at one point, do you think you're dying? <laughs> this is when they were still out, you know, <laughs> doing their thing, running around, but she could tell he was getting slower, not feeling well. He's always, he's been sick, you know, on and off for a long time, heart problems and diabetes and things like that. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, I guess she made sure, this isn't how she put it, but I could tell from what she was telling me that she made sure he experienced all the little things in the last week or so that he really enjoyed that they liked to do together. So, um, you know, having diabetes, he had a really strict diet and she was always on him and he always did the cooking. So they just had this funny ongoing food thing, but she got him a, they went to White Castle and he got a burger and that was his favorite, you know? And, and she said that she told, the white, she didn't say this to Lee, but she said she told the White Castle clerk, because this is my aunt in a nutshell, she said, um, yeah, I think this is probably his last White Castle burger. And it was, it turned out to be. <clears throat> and uh, she did the same at McDonald's, you know, and, <laughs> and, um, and then I guess one of the last things they did was get an ice cream cone at the gas station because that's something that he loved and that he couldn't do, you know, <laughs> because of his diet and stuff. So she kind of, she kind of just quietly went about all their regular things and all their favorite things. <clears throat> and uh, it sounds to me like she, she had a plan, you know, that she was doing this purposefully. She probably didn't tell him, or maybe she did. You know, she is the type to tell you, I think you're going to die. So I'm going to make sure you get all your favorite foods. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then um, he went and he went in the, he ended up in the hospital and the doctor said, you know, be hopeful. We are going to do these procedures tomorrow and we're hopeful. So you should be in. And then overnight he had a heart attack and she went in uh, on the way to surgery, I guess. And she went in the morning and he was uh, not going to recover from that. So she sat with them and her son was there and she could tell, you know, that he could hear her because when she, when she said, I got it, listen, I got, he's, you know, wasn't responding, but she said, listen, I got to go and get my Starbucks before one o'clock because 
you know I can't have caffeine after one o'clock. <laughs> I guess he started sort of kicking. <laughs> but that's how they did it. You know, they had routines and they knew each other and they supported each other's routines and they just went around together all the time. You know, they didn't have any like interests that were the same. <laughs> they didn't really have any friends that were the same. Uh, but they still just kind of did everything together. And if one of them wanted to do something, the other one didn't, then the other one would just sit in the car, you know, and that, <laughs> but they were together all the time. <clears throat> and my uncle, he was, um, he was a tricky pickle, you know, he was pretty, pretty acerbic and kind of hard to connect with older than everybody he's 80 and um my aunt is a like a, a reserve if you want a, an oxymoron she was a reserved free spirit you know i see a few of you actually out here reserved free spirits mm -hmm. i can tell you know <laughs> looking at you tina sarah Kristen, all of you reserved free spirits <laughs> And he was, uh, he had this a difficult child. My uncle had a difficult childhood. He lived with his grandparents and then he went into the Vietnam War, you know. And he didn't talk about all that stuff. I don't know the details of any of it, except to know that it was difficult. He had a hard first 30 years, I think. And, um, you know, but that made me think about what I was saying in my meditation this morning that uh, the story doesn't really matter. The story of why he was the way he was or the way he acted sometimes. I didn't know it and it didn't matter. There was, you know, he was a human being and so there was lovableness there. And he thought very deeply about the people that he, he loved. My family, me and me especially as my, I was his first niece and my, he's my mom's sister's husband. He just kind of spoiled me forever, you know, since the day I was born. <clears throat> He's a gift giver and a deep thinker. And if he likes you, you know it. <laughs> it's the same with my kids and, and Todd. But in oxymoron, kind of on the surface, you know, difficult, hard to read, hard to connect with, and yet completely thoughtful and loving. Somehow at the same time, But I think, you know, I think he had, I think he had a good death. I don't know that he had a good life or at least the beginning of it, but he and my aunt were together for 46 years. Yeah, wow. 
So I know there were good people, many, many, many beloveds in their lives. I said, sorry, I didn't call you, Linda. I sent you a text. And she goes, yeah, I got a million texts. <laughs> we had friends at church and friends at bingo and friends at the bakery and friends at McDonald's. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm shocked I ever got on your schedule. <laughs> a good community. A good community of imperfect humans, you know, just like us. <laughs> I told my friend that uh, my uncle died and and we both agreed that it's really hard right now to make space for the normal hard things because we have so many abnormal hard things to make space for with COVID and the pandemic and lockdown and the constant impermanence of our conditions. It's a lot right now. And so then when normal hard things happen, because it's normal to die, it's normal to have people die, but it's hard to make space for that kind of normalcy right now because everything else is so fraught and bizarre <laughs> and changing and inconstant. But it makes me think about, you know, have more empathy and sympathy for people who live and sort of war-torn countries or places where there are civil wars or ongoing diseases and pandemics like this, you know? How do they do normal hard in other places? How do they see people from one side to the other when it's fraught? we we have our rituals and we have our communities we have our friends and we have our memories and I think you know a benefit of this tradition of being in this this tradition for so long is that I that I also and you know I know you do too I also have some perspective on what is normal what is normal hard is still normal. It's still, you know, birth, aging, sickness, and death, right? Those are our, our heavenly messengers. We're all friends in birth, aging, sickness, and death. We're not any one of us going to escape any of that. <clears throat> and we're all of us going through it right now. Some, some part, some bit. So just having that, having that perspective from this, from this lineage, from this community, from these reflections, that it does make having this, having this place to ground, having this practice to ground in, having this community to ground in, uh, you know, does make normal hard a little easier, a little simpler, 
I should say, less complicated um, because I have my I have my models and my friends on the path, my companions and aging, sickness and death. And I have a deep appreciation for, for all of those things, for all of the people. So I guess, you know, what I'm taking from this week is it's the opportunity to embrace those oxymorons, <laughs> even the regular morons. <laughs> just, just take what comes, see it for what it is. You know, we're either connected in lovableness or we're connected in stress <laughs> or we're connected in both. <laughs> And in that, you know, we can we can be held and feel held. So I'll just uh, leave it there. That's good enough. <laughs> and then um, we have our skeleton crew here today, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Margaret, our sweet bundle of faces online. So I'd just like to open it up to you all here and to you all here uh, for any reflections of your own and 